0: You know, last week I spoke about the calls that we have received as Christians, that we have these, these calls that each and every one of us have to follow our Lord. And this week we see how we are to live them out, especially to be the light shining in the world. In fact, we see that both in the first reading and in the Gospel, that our Lord is the light shining throughout the world, scattering the darkness of sin. And that we are to allow that light to shine through us. And we are to do that by proclaiming the gospel to the whole world. Now there are two parts that we see in the gospel today to this proclamation of proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the message of salvation that he brings to us. There are two parts to it. And the first one is personal. It's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice that is the first thing our Lord proclaims. In his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is a call not just to the people 2,000 years ago in a foreign land. That's a call to us today, here, and now. As we sit in this church now. That is a call to us. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We all need repentance. Each and every one of us. Have sins that we need to repent. Each and every one of us have fallen short of the kingdom of God. We have all in one way or another turned away from Him. We have caused division in the body of Christ. You know, we look at St. Paul, the divisions got so bad, they started picking which leader were they going to follow. Some were going to follow Jesus, some followed Paul, some followed Cephas, Peter, some followed Apollos. They followed, they split their community. They allowed division and rivalry to enter into that community. Sound familiar? That has happened throughout human history. We all have organizations we've been involved in that due to division and rivalry has caused splits including our parish now. There are those who are causing division and rivalries within this parish because that is a part of our human sinful nature. It always happens when we turn to the darkness of sin. It always happens. It should be expected. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's easy to remain in that sin. We might even justify it. We might even say we've got a good reason For living in that sin. Oh, it's really not that bad. You know, I've, I've said this time and time again, but I always laugh when I hear someone says, well, I don't need to go to confession. I never killed anyone. True. You never pulled out a gun or pulled out a knife and killed someone. Did you kill their reputation? Have you told lies about them that caused others to doubt them? to think them untrustworthy? That's killing someone, at least their reputation. It's called, you know, false witness, they call it. That very much needs to be confessed. Oh, but that's not that bad. I'm not as bad as this other person. Well, maybe not in one way, but maybe in some other way. What I hate is when you hear people say, oh, that's, you know, the church used to say that missing mass was a sin, but it's not anymore. No, it's still a sin. It's still a violation of keep holy the Sabbath, one, another of the Ten Commandments. You know, it's, it's still, those haven't changed. And you know, these sins can become so ingrained in our lives that it can be hard to repent from them. It can be hard to look at our lives to have the, the clarity that comes from the light of Christ and say, I am a sinner. I have these sins I need to overcome. And it's hard to put those sins down and to return to our Lord because they can become so habitual we don't even think about them being sins anymore. But we need to repent. We need to cleanse the darkness of sin from our soul so that light of Christ can shine through us before we can do the second thing, which is as he calls to Peter and Andrew, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Once we have repented from our sins, once we have recognized our sins and sought forgiveness from our Lord through the sacrament of confession, we can then go out and be fishers of men. We can then go out and bring people to Christ. But the first part of that is come after me. To follow our Lord is an active thing. To come after our Lord, to to follow our Lord is something we consciously do. We make the choice every day do I follow our our Lord or not? We can't just be passive like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to really do anything to show that. No, we need to make that conscious choice to daily follow in his footsteps. The spiritual life is an ongoing struggle. It is something we need to constantly work towards. It needs to be something every day we think about and to growing in into speaking about. Because the the spiritual life doesn't have a plateau. That's the mistake I think we make as a church here in the United States, and have been for some time. We've always thought that everything's going to stay the same. And of course, you look at the history of the church here in the United States, it's not the case. The church is going down. The numbers are going down. The number of parishes are going down. The number of priests are going down. The number of faithful is going down. Every single metric you look at at the church in the United States is dropping because we have decided we're at a plateau we don't have to do anything we don't have to keep pushing and evangelizing and working for the gospel. Again this is a church as a whole this isn't individual people but the spiritual life can be like that in our lives that if we decide well I've you know I've been confirmed I pray once in a while I'm good no No, we need to be constantly challenging ourselves to go better and better and deeper into the spiritual life, to constantly climbing up that hill and not allowing ourselves to try to plateau. And there's an urgency in hearing this call to repentance, hearing this call to follow our Lord and to be fishers of men, to evangelize. We need to respond now. We can't wait till later. We can't put this off. We live in a world that needs to hear this. You know, look at Peter and Andrew and James and John. They didn't wait. They didn't say to the Lord, oh, you know, Lord, I got five years till retirement. I'll, let, let me you know, continue to fish for five more years and then I'll come after you. Or, you know, I'm retired, but I've got all these things I do now. I'm, you know, family and, and community and all these things I do. I, I can put that off to later, right? No. They heard the call of our Lord and they answered immediately. And this is something the church has struggled with even from the very beginning. There used to be a practice in the early church that people would not get baptized until their deathbed. The Emperor Constantine, the Roman Emperor Constantine, the one who legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire... The story goes that he waited until like almost his last breath to himself being baptized. Boy, that's that's pushing it. we, We should not do that. And the church was very clear, even back then, that baptism should not be held back. Baptism should not be waited for. If an adult wants to be baptized, we should get them on the track to be baptized immediately. If a child comes forward to be baptized, we should be seeking to do that baptism as quickly as we can. Not putting it off. The church rightly discouraged that practice. And the reason why we have infant baptism in the church is because we recognize very early on, as the body of Christ, that the spiritual life is a lifelong journey and should not be delayed. And there is a danger if we do try to delay There's a danger if we don't have urgency to following our Lord. We don't know when our life here on earth is done. We don't know when our Lord is going to call us home. We don't know when we're going to have an accident, an injury, an illness. We don't know if if we're just going to one day go to bed and not wake up. We don't know when we're going to be called home. And if we don't heed the call to follow our Lord now to climb that spiritual life, we may miss the kingdom of heaven. We may not be saved. Salvation is not a one-time good deal. It is a lifelong struggle in the spiritual life. And I don't think there's anybody sitting here right now that does not want to go to heaven. If I pulled each and one of you, how many of you would say, nah, I don't want to go to heaven. Doesn't sound like that much fun. None of us would say that. We all would say, I want to go to heaven. I want to get to heaven. How do we do that? Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Repent from your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how we get to heaven. So we need to have that urgency. And we also have that urgency because we live in a world where this message of repentance and following our Lord is not being heard. In fact, we've got a world that is very much backsliding away from him. And we have a church where we are falling into the same traps that St. Paul complained against. That there are those who are dividing the church as a whole. And when we follow the teachings of the church, we are unified when we have the submission of will, when we have the humility to say, I'm going to follow you, Lord, and follow your church, we are unified. We are strengthened. The forces of evil cannot fight against us. But when we go our own way, when we do our own thing, and talking about the divisions in the parish, divisions in the church, divisions in our world, evil creeps in. And it's able to split those wires, Just like ice. Water will get in and into a crack and freeze, and it expands that crack over time. The same way, if we are divided, sin gets in there, and so we have people and organizations that are they're acting and they're teaching contrary to church teachings. You know, we see people there. There will be priests who have prominent positions and be on TV, and they'll be saying, "Well, this really the church doesn't teach that anymore, or the church needs to change these teachings." You hear of hospitals and, and universities that are act- actively doing procedures and, do, and promoting things that are contrary to church teaching, that actually harm people, but doing so in the name of, of tolerance and inclusion. All these things that are going on, we have have led to a culture of death. John St. John Paul II gave us that, that phrase, culture of life, culture of death. And I think it was a very wise, one of the many wise things that John Paul II said. He was a very, very, very wise man. Could not write a short sentence to save his life, but a very wise man. And he gave us that phrase of a culture of death. We have a culture that has only gotten worse since his time that does not view human life as worthy of dignity and respect. Instead, views human life as expendable. If it's not wanted, get rid of it. Now, today, interestingly, should actually be kind of a day of celebration. Because today is the 50th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. Which is no longer a legal Supreme Court decision as of this last summer. This is something to say thanks be to God. This is something to celebrate. And we should be celebrating it. That it is gone. It is no longer the law of the land. However, it doesn't mean we can let down our guard, either. There is still the darkness of sin in our world. There is still evil in our world. Abortion is still a real thing in our world. Especially here in Montana. I don't know how many Montanans realize this, but our state Supreme Court, so the Montana State Supreme Court has said that because our state constitution has a right to privacy, that means an unlimited right to abortion. And law after law after law has been passed, and every single of those laws have been struck down by our state Supreme Court. There are no restrictions on abortion in the state of Montana, and haven't been for some time. And so we need to fight against that. But this isn't the only issue in right to life that we need to be concerned about. Canada has come up with a wonderful new acronym. It sounds so nice. MAID, M-A-I-D. Medical Assistance in Dying. It's a nice phrase for euthanasia. And it's already, there are stories coming out of it being abused where the the Canadian VA system, Veterans Affairs System, has told veterans, well, we can't provide you the medical support you want, such as a a wheelchair ramp into your house. But we can give you maid. We won't build you a wheelchair ramp, but we'll kill you. Or we can't have that medication for you, but we can ease your death. And that's a problem here in the United States, too. We have... Euthanasia laws here in the United States as well again including Montana We have This is yet another issue And then it's not even direct death It's general disrespect of others Look at our culture Look at I mean I always use this example, but but look at the evening news channels whether it is Fox or CNN or MSNBC, you don't see people being treated with respect there. If you're on my side, oh, we're going to treat you nicely. We're going to let you say all you want. If you disagree with me on even one little thing, I'm going to tear you to shreds publicly on TV. Why do people even go on those channels to talk? I don't know, but that's seeped into our larger culture. Where if you disagree with me, it's not that, well, we can discuss it and we can maybe, you know, agree to disagree or maybe one side or the other can be convinced. Oh, no. It's, I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to yell you out. I'm not going to let you speak because you are wrong. I am right. There's no middle ground. There's no charity. There's no respect. This is throughout our country. This is throughout our world. All of this is disrespect of human life. All of this is contrary to the call of Christ. All of this is part of the culture of death. We as Christians, by being the light of the world, by going out and proclaiming the good news of the gospel, we can bring about a culture of life, a culture of respect, a culture of dignity. And we need to be bold in bringing about that culture of life, bold in bringing about that culture of respect and unapologetic for it. And so we need to work through our prayers. We need to work through our legislatures. our legislatures, our legislators are in session right now, you we are one of those two every other year where they are in session, are we contacting them, encouraging them to pass laws that respect the dignity of human life from conception to natural death? Are we getting in their faces when they don't? You know, are we making sure they know they work for us instead of the other way around? And then we also need do action to support those organizations that work to overcome issues of abortion and homelessness and the, the, all the other issues that we have in our country today such as Echoes up in Great Falls. That's why I love it that we do the, the baby bottle campaign. But are we do, working with them? Are we working with food banks? Are we working with home, home or shelter organizations? Develop, uh, disabled organizations and so on. Organizations that will help those who are in need. And not just saying, well, the government can do it. But that we are doing what we can to help them. We need to be the light of the world. And we need to have some urgency with it we need to hear the call of christ to repent from our sins to follow him and to proclaim the good news of the gospel to be fishers of men as he says are we listening to his call are we following him or are we seeking division in our world a culture of death in our world